Welcome to another episode of Be One Bite. I'm Lishi, and today we have Reese from Spendable. Spendable is a fintech startup that provides payment solutions that offer automated smart budgeting and support worker cards. They aim to give people with disability and elderly people more control over their money in a safe and supported way. So Reese, thank you for joining us today. Do you want to do a quick intro about yourself? Um, yeah, so thanks for having me, Lishi. It's, uh, yeah, it's quite nice to come on, and I know your your team have been doing a bit of a project with us. So yeah, really, really cool. Um, yeah, cool group of business one, that's for sure. So, um, yeah, so I'm I'm Reese, CEO of Spendable. Um, I kind of run head of product as well here, sort of thing. So everything you see on the app is kind of what we, um, yeah, what I'm in charge of, sort of thing. Um, a little bit about me, I kind of started a disability services company uh, like back when I was 21. So I'm 28 now, sort of thing, so seven years ago. Um, yeah, plenty of fun. So, yeah, just kind of did that and was managing a, a heap of support workers and kind of got to the point where I was like, oh, geez, we need to kind of fix something around payments here. And so, um, yeah, kind of built Spendable internally and at Support Your Way where we sort of started. And then I kind of, yeah, 12 months ago, exited that business and, um, and yeah, decided to focus on on Spendable. So, and then, yeah, just the rest has just been the sort of Spendable journey. So it's been kind of exciting. Yeah, that's amazing. So you have started Spendable yourself. So what exactly is your role in Spendable? Yeah, so, um, so yeah, as a CEO, it's kind of two. You, you kind of do everything, I think, as a CEO of a startup. It's, um, it's always a bit uh, anything, like you're kind of the quality control of the whole business, right? So um, you kind of have to be involved in everything a little bit. Um, really lucky. I've got a great team where, you know, I can give them stuff and, and, you know, we just say, I just point to an outcome and they, you know, really, really smart people where they just go, they find any way that they can to get to that outcome. So yeah, um, yeah a lot of my time now as, as CEO is just about, you know, deciding what the outcome is and, and then, yeah, putting, you know, giving people everything they need to kind of get there as well. But then um, secondary to that as well, like I, I'm kind of head of product as well. So mm. um, yeah, basically meet with the development team every day, um, you know, scope out new features, speak to speak to users, um, kind of just dream up what, what the actual app's going to look like as well. Um, and yeah, once again, that, that end quality control on that sort of thing as well comes down to me. So, you know, having to like test apps and everything, but yeah, you, so you kind of just do a little bit of everything when you're, when you're sort of the, the CEO of a startup and, and the rest of the team as well. It's just, yeah. you know, it's very hard to kind of define your role sometimes, but uh, yeah, lots of fun, lots of diversity in what I do. Yeah, I get it. Like, especially coming from like a young startup, you have mm. to wear a lot of hats in, in, in your position. So yeah, it's hard to define your role specifically. Um, mm. Tell us more about the services you, you, you provide by, um, from Spendable. So who yep. are your target audience and what services do you provide? Mm, yeah, so uh, so starting with kind of Spendable, Spendable is just a debit card for people with disability and their support workers. Um, and so the whole idea is that the debit card itself connects up to kind of the wallet. So, um, so a, if I'm a person with disability, I might have a wallet and I might have five support workers that work with me. Um, and so I give them all a card each and then they can go off and like spend money for my wallet. And all I have to do is like kind of top one, one wallet up as well. And then if I'm a support worker, then I suppose the, the next thing is that my one card that I get given for one, one client or one, one um, participant um, is then able to be used across multiple wallets. So if I start my grocery shopping in the morning for Steve, um, I can use my card and use his wallet. Um, then I use the app and I switch over to a new wallet. I then say, oh, okay, now I'm doing the doing, you know, buying lunch for Cindy. 
Um, and then, yeah, and then in the afternoon might be going out for coffee with Gerald um, and I just switch over the wallet each time to the mm. to the new card. So um, so we built this, yeah, this kind of complex solution around uh, support workers making payments on behalf of people. Um, and so, yeah, really kind of focused on, you know, people with disability that receive support um, and they had people that were buying them lunch, buying them coffees, um, taking them out to go see movies, buying their groceries each week, um, you know, helping them pay electricity bills, things like that. We were trying to reduce the need for support for yeah for um, people with disability to have to hand over their debit cards, which kind of um, it uh, breaks the the Visa and the Mastercard terms of services if you're sort of handing over your debit card. Um, so we we kind of discussed like well yeah built a way to kind of um, yeah to cover that again and then yeah just like reducing the need for them to you know go to the ATM grab always have cash on hand and yeah. give it out to people and just like receipts and change and all these sorts of things. Yeah. So. So, yeah, so we started with that. Um, we were really, really lucky that we then kind of like by accident found out that it was just a process. And so we actually had mm. some people with intellectual disability that had never actually spent money before in their lives, right? Oh, and, um, yeah. and yeah, and they could, we could sort of teach them how to use the app. And then so they learned how to use the app and they were buying their first coffees, for example. They were buying their first things from the grocery store or their first mm. T-shirt. So we actually, yeah, we now have like two versions. So we've got like one for people, yeah, for participants who, you know, might need all the numeracy and the budgeting sort of removed for them. And so they just kind of focus on using the, the app as a as a bit of a decision-making tool for them. Um, and then we've kind of got the other one, which is for, yeah, support workers. So it's really focused on people with disability. Um, yeah, it, it's it's not for everyone totally as well sort of thing. Um, you know, it's really about, you know, reducing that financial abuse risk and, and also empowering people to, yeah, to be using, you know, to be spending their own money. So, um, yeah, we, we do a little bit of stuff with, uh, yeah, you know, in the trustee space as well. So um, where, you know, people are handing, like guardians are handling money on behalf of people. So yeah. they have to go to VCAD or QCAD or wherever sort of thing and submit, you know, at like a um, a review every year. And so we, we make that look a lot easier as well. So yeah. Um, yeah, heaps of stuff sort of things. So, yeah. yeah, it's amazing. I can imagine how much time um, they are saved from just, mm. you know, automated all those transactions all in a cart. That's yeah. amazing. Um, yeah. We can, yeah, we can dive more into your journey to Spendable. Mm. So what made you start Spendable and the idea of, you know, the whole startup? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I, I think I'll, I'll start with this. Like, I think um, uh, the whole kind of Spendable journey probably started when I started Support Your Way, which was the first disability service company we sort of started. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was back ages ago. And I just always had this kind of idea of like, um, you know, we could, uh, you know, we could sort of automate things and make things quicker and, and especially around digital payments and all that sort of stuff as well. So I sort of really always like thought about these ideas about like, you know, what if we could build AI into things and do all these different things? So there's always this kind of like burning desire for me to actually create something. I think when I was like 20, 21, 22. Um, and so, yeah, so I started that company and, and just went for, went along the journey of like, you know, building it up, having lots of staff, having all of those sorts of things. And then kind of, the, the really scary thing I think as an entrepreneur and, I, and I've spent a lot of time denying it was um, you, it's very scary how quickly you can drop one idea and pick a new one up. And, yeah. you know, I sort of found that with, with support you. I was like, I was you know really enjoying working there. And then all of a sudden spendable, this idea around spendable came and I was like, how is nobody doing this? Why aren't I doing this? And how do I do this? And so I just kind of went, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to build it. Um, you know, got a little dev team together, uh, put together a couple of, a couple of the, um, the team from, uh, from support your way as well. And then, yeah, just kind of built this, like, this tiny little app on, on the back of a Visa prepaid card. Um, yeah, and it was, you know, it was, I suppose, plenty of fun as well sort of thing. So 
I had zero, I had a little bit of tech background, you know, like I knew a little bit of um, coding, but nothing to, nothing enterprise grade. Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of like launched into being a product manager and sort of going, well, okay, now I've got to work out all the features, communicate with developers, do all the testing, get it in people's hands, then like read it, like just basically just learn again and then just build a whole new set of software after that as well. So, um, yeah, so so what made me start? I think I just, I, I saw the problem. I was like, it's a big opportunity. I think yeah. nobody's doing anything about it. I thought the banks were just very, very happy to keep going along the way that they're doing it. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, have parents that were spending money for everyone and just have like, make it really hard for people to access their money. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um. So yeah, so we saw that as a massive opportunity. So we just went, yeah, yeah. we'll do it. We know the NDIS quite well and, and yeah, went along that way. The whole idea of Spendable is to help the disabled community, but how, helpful actually is the service to the disabled community and what are the metrics that you have um, used to to evaluate that yeah definitely um so there's we, we have like two this is where we always talk about two streams so we have like we're helping the the communities in like providers and support workers and that kind of workforce side of community and then we've got like people with disability that we're helping right and so well not helping i'd say helping right but um, yeah, that we're just, you know, we're, we're working on. And so the kind of metrics, I'll talk about the metrics in the in the service provider space first, right? Um, so we were sort of working and, and we we're looking at like how, so previously all of this stuff was done on cash boxes, for example, right? So it means someone goes to the ATM, they grab money out, they put cash cash in a, in a house, yeah. they check it out, they give it to a support worker, they put it on an Excel spreadsheet. Um, the support worker goes out, spends that money, comes back with receipts, hands it in, someone else writes it on the, on the spreadsheet again. And and it kind of just is this big kind of like process. Now we were we were sort of estimating that was taking sort of between two and four hours a week, um, and for for providers, and across and that's like like per house. So if a provider has like you know fifty houses, that was 200, 200 hours a week, um, and then you know sort of times that by fifty two. So we were saving providers in, in excess of you know sort of like the quarter of a million dollar mark sort of thing as well. So, you know, just by automating this and also just like reducing the risk and reducing a lot of the compliance steps as well and just automating all that. So click of a button, you can access all of the receipts. Um, click of a button, you can see all the transactions of who's made them, which support work and stuff like that. Yeah. So all of these things which used to traditionally take like, you would have to go to the house and grab like this, this shoebox of receipts and you would have to like match it all up with the timesheets of all the people that are working there just to find out about one transaction. Um, you know, we made all that so much quicker, so much easier. So yeah, so we were saving like, you know, quarter of a million dollars for, for um, yeah, for providers that are in excess of, you know, 50 houses, um, 50, yeah, 50 accommodation houses. And we're also just reducing the time. And so then we kind of move to the to the, um, the person's disability, right? And so we go, well, we're actually reducing the amount of time for them to exercise their purchase decisions, right? Mm -hmm. So what, what that kind of means in, in, in simple terms is like, if I wanted to go buy a shirt right now, I walk down to the shops, I've got my debit card and I pay, okay? Yeah. And that's me, Reese. I'm, I'm able to do that. If I've got an intellectual disability and I live in, um, in support of accommodation um, and I've got like, let's say, state trustees, um, it was taking like between like three days and 12 days or 14 days to actually buy a new T-shirt, right? Mm -hmm. And the whole reason was that, okay, this person goes, oh, they've got a hole in their shirt. They then tell the manager. The manager has to tell state trustees. State trustees go, oh, yep, so there's money available to budget or they have to tell some sort of manager. Um, then, yeah, then the money is made available. Then they have to make the money available to somebody who's going to pay it. So, mm -hmm. like, as in, they wouldn't give it to the person. Yeah. And so, yeah, it could be could be like two weeks till that person's walking around with a new T-shirt, right? And so yeah. I was just like, 
you know, we've been able to like effectively reduce that right down mm-hmm. to like, you know, minutes, right? So if someone goes, oh, I need a new t-shirt. They ring the manager, the manager says, yep, there's, yeah, no worries. And then the money's available in their card. So um, yeah, really, really big thing there as well. And then kind of like the, the, the second degree of that is like moving people from, you know, we just have a one zero metric of like, do we move someone from not making their payments at all to all of a sudden we've, we've taught them basically how to make their own payments. So if they can buy their own coffees and buy their own groceries, we're like, that's a massive uptick on, yeah. you know, on what their skills are as well. So um, yeah, two, two sides of it. We're really trying to, like, we, we kind of have to do the service provider thing to actually, you know, to, to improve, like to, um, to empower the disability side. But yeah. Um, yeah, we're starting to see that nice little flow through where we're actually seeing people, yeah, just like, you know, they're, they're increasing their confidence, increasing their independence, increasing their skills, um, exercising purchase decisions. Like, you know, nobody actually cares about the payment. Everyone cares yeah. about like when I get my new shirt, right? Sort of thing. So um, yeah, as the long satis- as we can empower that. Yeah. yeah, the satisfaction of buying your own stuff and receiving it yourself, that's different exactly. from other people buying it for you. That's yeah. Yeah, exactly right. It's like, um, and and also I think the other thing as well, which which people are missing on the cash, the cash economy was the ability to buy online. So like these cash boxes, you couldn't buy online, so they couldn't oh, right. buy things from Amazon, right? Right. So yeah. like now people can get like things delivered to their house, which is like, if you cut online shopping out of out of someone's life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're missing out on the choice, and they're missing out on like you know the flexibility and the competition, right? Yeah. So. You know, so yeah, like if um, and especially because like e-commerce is so so strong right mm-hmm. now. Um, you know, almost it's almost quicker for me to um, yeah, to order something online than it is to like go yeah. down to the shop and pick it up, sort of thing, mm-hmm. and find a car park and all that sort of stuff as well. So so opening that up as well, which was was really really big too. We sort of found you know people able to like buy, especially COVID, buying buying the groceries mm-hmm. online and doing all that sort of stuff as well. So yeah, yeah, moving to that as well, which is but that's sort of not really a metric we track unfortunately, but. Uh, we know it's a side benefit, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Mm. What was the biggest challenge um, building your company and how did you go about it? Uh, I'll caveat this with there's always challenges. I think there's a weekly, <laughs> there's always a weekly challenge. Of course. Yeah. Um, our biggest, like, I think the biggest challenge is always for like building is like you have to continually learn things and um, mm-hmm. and that's exhausting, right? And it's like, it's, you, and, and it's also quite, um, I think the challenge of like getting quite personal about what you built or what you've done or something like that is really, really tough. Um, I remember building my first app and people giving me such like such rough feedback and then yeah. being like, you know, you, you, you've spent hours, like hundreds of hours on this thing. Right. And you're just yeah. like, oh, like, how did I get it so wrong? Like I must be so silly. Um, and then, yeah. And then you, you kind of get past that challenge, I think as well sort of thing. So, um, but yeah, like, you know, like there's, there's a lot of challenges, I think divisionally, like, sales went through a complete challenge right yeah uh, customer success side of things like it was a, a massive challenge to get our first our first service provider on board mm. was like yeah. hundreds of hours of work and just trying to work it out and we had no idea what we we're doing right um so yeah you, you have kind of all these like micro challenges as yeah. you go along sort of thing and they kind of all build up and but they always like they always revert back to this idea of uh yeah you, you just have to continually be learning you have to be so um uh, you can't attach yourself to a piece of work that you've done. Mm-hmm. You, you've got to be prepared for that to be not good enough at some point. Um, and so kind of learning that was, was really, really key. And that that's kind of ties back to like, you know, why companies have politics and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, so yeah, so trying to kind of get the team and, and myself to unlearn that, that kind of attachment to your output, it was really, really hard, I think as well. So, but um, yeah, we're, we're sort of having a, a heavy medium, but uh, yeah, that, that's one of the big challenges. When you're in the workforce, you're just like, 
you you get so proud of something you've done and mm. it's, you know so purposeful and then you're like nobody likes it and you yeah. have to like change it right and like you know which is fine which you know which is fine now but yeah, yeah. I just remember being so so hurt like last year when I was just like man more people should be using this I can't believe <laughs> they're not clicking buttons the same way like yeah, yeah. you know so no I understand yeah. I mm. I know it's not personal but at the same time it's my idea but you know it's for the greater good so yeah, I have to learn of, about this attachment too. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. You mentioned how um Spanable evolved from just, you know, providing services to the social, the support workers to, you know, mm. helping the disabled um, community as well. So you have kind of touched on like how it evolved from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. So I'll chuck, chuck two things down here. Why it evolved, right? Um, yeah, yeah, I, sure. I think what we first kind of started with, and, and this is in our go-to-market strategy, right? We were initially like, we're just going to go straight to the straight to the consumer, and we'll, we'll you know we'll build this piece of, piece of tech for them, and and um, and everyone will use it, and it'll be really easy. Um, and the tech onboarding like is is actually quite it's it's quite full on, I, I suppose is the big thing. So for anything like I don't know if you've signed up for a neobank or anything like that before, um, but like a Zinja or like eighty six four hundred or, or whoever, mm-hmm. but like it seems really, really easy to like onboard and get your card ordered and all that yep, sort of stuff. Yep. Onboarding is great, right? Yep. Um, with like with with our consumer, like with with the person with disability, it was um it was a lot of time spent on the phone, just helping them through the process, help, helping them get there. And we just kind of went, Jesus, this is a lot of time to get like one person set up. And so that's where we really pivoted and we pivoted our go to market to go, well, okay, we actually if we go to the providers, the providers have all of the support works mm. and they've got all the yeah. disability, right? And we could do a lot of the education, a lot of the because a lot of the education was teaching support workers to use it. And families and, and people with disabilities, like, they were just too busy, right? Like, they had so many other things they were worrying about yeah. that they were like, I don't have 10 hours to teach my support workers how to use this card, right? Yeah. So we sort of went to the providers. The providers have this big problem. As I said, we could save them, you know, a quarter million dollars in ex- or in excess of that, right? And so they were very motivated to, like, teach the support workers. And they, and they had the, that sort of that structure to do it as well. And so we sort of then built this way so that, you know, just you know, same product, same same offering, same you know, unique set, um, unique value propositions. Um, but it was the sequence in which we we then approached the person with disability. So it's like you had all your support workers on board, they were all ready to go, all the accounts were all set up, all the wallets were already there. Um, the service writer had all the training was sent out. Um, they'd sent all of the marketing material to to the people with disability. And so in the end, then like when we finally you know, reach out to the person with disability, the the point of value, which is like, you know, that that point where they do an action and they get some sort of reward for it, yeah. um, was so short where it's like, okay, if you so our our you know shortest point was if you put $10 in your spendable wallet, a spendable will put $10 extra in there for you. So our marketing was doubling their money. Um, but then on the next shift, they could instantly see that oh my $10 that used to be cash or used to be whatever can now go in this wallet and my, any support worker that works with, my, like with the participant can um, can use it. And yeah. so it was really about kind of finding that really, really short way to actually go, well, we're going to deliver the, the key value of the app without having to then make them fill out heaps of forms and do heaps of stuff mm-hmm. and you know, yeah. watch all these tutorials and stuff like that sort of thing as well. So, so yeah, so we really kind of like, yeah, we, we had to evolve and pivot just in the go-to-market, right? Yeah. So, um, yes, yeah, so that, that was quite interesting. But then, yeah, obviously there's the, the evolution of, product does this and then you you know you, you change some features around as well sort of thing but yeah yeah so mm. how do you see spend spendable um 
you know, how do you see it growing in the future? So now you have touched on, like you have focuses on, now it's focused on um, focusing on social workers with mm-hmm. um, the account balance and all the information um, sorted yep. out already. And yeah, you have touched on that, but what what's next? Yeah. yeah. Um, so we we see spendable like the actual platform and the and the feed and the and the, um, the sorry UX and, and the feed and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Probably sit they're they're probably better on a bank cart. So like we've mm. got, you know, at the moment we share our own cart, right? It'd be great if like you could, you know, flick a switch on your Combank or your NAB or mm-hmm. NAZ app. Yeah. And all of a sudden you can get a custom journey, like a custom app for you know your disability type. So mm. yeah. Um, yeah, so we're we're actually starting to build out different types. So um, we're building out like what they call an easy read version for for um, yeah for people with a, a certain type of intellectual disability where it's all picture based it's all photo based really simple information mm-hmm. really focused on on tailoring that and setting that up for for that person as opposed to you know you look at your combank app and it's got you know rewards perks it's got yeah. mortgage sign up for mm-hmm. a credit card it's like it's it's so unusable for some for that that cohort so so yeah, so we're, we're going to try and build out a few different apps for different, you know, specific disability types mm-hmm. and then try and then kind of, you know, aggregate all of that into, into a bank, I, I think would be the way to go. So we'd be trying to chat to, yeah, trying to like, trying to chat to some of the big four and some of the community banks have shown a lot of interest as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just, you know, something that, you know, we move from acquiring customers directly to actually creating a better customer experience for those banks. So so those banks, you know, like, so Combank is one of the big ones, right? It's got 15 million, 16 million customers or something like that. Yep. I would hazard a guess there'd be a lot of people with disability that do not use their Combank apps. Yep. Um, and so you probably want to create a better experience for those people. So that that's really what we're what we're trying to do. Um, you know, whether we get there or not, it, it, there's plenty of evolutions, I think, on the way for business. But that's our next steps is, yep. yeah, we're putting up two or three other apps, yeah. Yeah, that sounds exciting. Um, mm. We can dive more into your entrepreneurial journey in the NDIS. So for our mm. listeners who aren't familiar with the term NDIS, it's called National Disability Insurance Scheme. And it basically provides funding to people with disability for them to learn new skills, job, and improve their quality of life. So mm. Riz, tell us how did you kickstart your entrepreneurial journey in the, in the NDIS? Yeah, um, this is a, it's always by accident, right? Um, so a really good friend of mine um, who actually runs CEO of, of Support Your Way now as well, um, Luke David, he was on the NDIS, well, he's on DHS, um, the Victorian scheme. But um, yeah, you know, I, I think I was a uni student at the time. He was a, yeah, I think he was at uni as well at the time. And um, we were like, geez, we've got to get jobs, right? And we're like, <laughs> you know, we're looking and, you know, there's like jobs at Coles and the jobs at other places and all this sort of stuff. And we're just like, oh, we may as well just, um, yeah, we'll just start our own, right? Sort of thing. So Luke had a, night, a, a really good network of, of people with disability that, you know, that needed services. And, you know, I just kind of had this like, uh, I wouldn't say confidence. I would have this like this, uh, this rash arrogance of that we'll just learn as we go. Mm-hmm. Um, we started, yeah, we, we literally just started Support Your Way with, yeah, two of us, like three staff, I reckon we first started, so three support workers and like three clients and we just kind of built on that. So, um, and yeah, it was just a part-time thing while we're at, yeah, while we're at uni. Um, I was still studying full-time, he was studying full-time and, and yeah, I had like three years to go, I think as well. Um, so yeah, so like I think that was kind of the, the start of it all. Um, and then once you kind of get into these things and, and you can keep learning and Especially because the NDS is quite new, and and you kind of got to a point where, um, you, I, I think what was really unique, I think about the NDIS and our, and my opportunity was that 
we were working with like you have this kind of old Victorian or this old way of doing disability, yeah. and you had this new way of doing disability, which is NDIS, right? Yeah. Now, where we kind of st- stuck out is we were really focused on the new way of doing things, mm. and a lot of the incumbents were really just stuck in the way of doing the old way of things. Um, and so we kind of stood out, and, and, and it was really nice to have like more knowledge than say a, a lot of people that might have been in this industry for like 20 years, mm. right? Because we had this kind of like appetite to learn and we had this appetite to 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 adapt and be new and and to be sort of work into the new rules as opposed to the old rules, right? Yeah. So um yeah, we, we sort of I think you you kind of get that and you learn and you're just like, geez, I just want to keep learning. And you're like, I just want to keep trying things and try and keep, you know, growing things as well. So yeah, super lucky though. The NDIS, I think, was for years like it was just like it was the fastest growing industry, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, you know, I think when we started, when we first started in 2014, it, I don't know how many billion dollars they were paying out, but it wasn't many, right? It was like, you know, probably in the fives or the eights or something like that. And then each year it just like exponentially got bigger and bigger and bigger. So if you had a business in that, in that, or like in that, in the NDIS, um, you know, your market size is getting bigger each year. Yeah. Your, um, yeah, the amount of, part- like amount of uh, consumers or amount of customers is getting bigger every year um and so you're naturally like growing by like 100 percent a year right which mm. is like really actually a super exciting number to see um when you're looking at your your PL. Like, yeah. like you know we were sort of speaking about um some other people as well and i was speaking to some other businesses and like they're stoked when they get like 25 percent growth a year right we were just like i think that the fact that it was growing so quickly made it a really exciting place to be as well so mm. yeah. um yeah it, i think that was really cool and then You've obviously got like you've got all of your your sideline benefits, right? Um, really, really. Uh, I think what was really really nice as well, and, and around passion and things like that sort of stuff as well, is that people could art like people would be genuinely not have the information, right? You know, like it'd be a, a, a friend of a family or like a cousin or something like that, and they're like, I, I, I don't know how to do the NDIS, and they were just like to be able to like have like an hour conversation with them and just be like, hey, these these are like your next steps of what you should do. Um, it's just like one of those really it's actually such a nice thing and i know like a lot of the the b1 team are, are going to go into consulting but it's kind of like one of those consulting things right mm. you kind of you build up this knowledge and you're like oh shit someone asks you right they might ask you a tax question or, or something like that and you can actually like help them and, and and that's quite that's quite good sort of thing as well to just go well to be you know in this position where you're like i have a, a breadth of knowledge across like a quite a quite a um quite an important like sort of program mm. and the people can sort of do it so um, yeah, you know, I, I really enjoyed being, you know, one of these people that, that built knowledge around it, built different ways to do things. Yeah. You know, I'd read the price guide religiously. I'd read like, you know, the, the updates every, every, um, yeah, but you know, they'll come out of the quarter, right? So I think, but yeah, so, um, but yeah, it, it was an exciting space to be in. I think it still is as well. Yeah. So mm-hmm. was it purely coincident that you stumbled upon, um, NDIS or it was something that you had thought about it even before entering you know, the community, the journey? Um, I, I think for me, like I, I was always around, like one of my best mates was um, had muscular dystrophy. And so I was always around people with disability. Mm. I, I didn't right. see this being yeah. sort of thing. So I was sort of kind of in the community already. Um, the kicker to that was that uh, I think when, when you're sort of entrepreneurial or, or whatever, you do a lot of business plans on A4 pieces of paper or on like you know, lean campuses or whatever sort of thing. And so you do about a hundred, I reckon. Like I, I would say, like when I was at uni, I was probably doing like a hundred a year, right? And then you finally get one, you're like, this might actually work. There's there's a small chance this is gonna mm-hmm. work. Yeah. Um, and you're like, and and it's normally barrier to entry, right? It's normally like you're like, you know, I think one, I was like, I, I was like doing like a um 
a business plan on like, you know, setting up like a dairy farm in, in Nepal or something mm-hmm. like that, right? And I was like, oh, think about all the capital costs, think about the land, think about the geo, like the geo, um, geopolitical stuff as well. Yeah. I was like, ah, oh, it's too, too good barrier to entry. But I was like, when we when we wrote this one on a, on a piece of paper, we were like, oh, geez, this is, um, yeah, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be easy, right? Like, it yeah. was just like, if if uh, we can do it with an Excel spreadsheet, uh, we'll do our invoices on Microsoft Word. Like, you know, we didn't need anything to really start. We just yeah. kind of like went for it, right? We just needed an ABN at that point. So, yeah, um, yeah so, but yeah, like, I, I think you always plan. I, I think the, the biggest thing is like getting outside of the plan and getting into to just doing something, I think mm. was, was the big thing for us. But yeah. Yeah. What other companies did you build throughout the journey or is it just um, support your way? Yeah, um, got a couple, got a few little ones. I think like before that, trying to look a few little e-com things. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, a few little things th- throughout uni. So I did a few couple of like just nice little successful ones. I think, mm-hmm. you know, one one of my best ones that, uh, back then, it was like seven or eight years ago and made 40 grand, I think, off this little e-com, this little e-com play, which was really, really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so little stuff like that. Um, out of when we when we did Spendable, oh, it was, yeah, right in the middle of COVID, right? So, and part of it was we were going to try and build these sort of three digital digital experiences for, you know, for, um, for our support UA users, but also for like the general community. Um, so we sort of, we built another one called Group Passport as well. Mm-hmm. I'm not as active in that, but that's a, another sort of tech play where it's kind of like a My Health record with your disability data. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so like the whole idea is like person with disability has, you know, their record that they then give people permission to access as opposed to them kind of like storing all their data with different yeah. providers. Um, so yeah, so that was a really interesting one. I, I just kind of sit on there um, as a non-executive board member on that one, um, which is cool. So, uh, but yeah, so yeah, kind of did that one, but um, yeah, that, that's really about it. Support your way has kind of been the, the big yeah. focus the last few years, that's for sure. And then coming out of that now, you know, stuck in Dispendable. The the user from let's say the passport, mm-hmm. my passport, did it um get into spendable? Like are they do you see any comment yeah. as a like um re- reoccurring user from these two apps? Yeah, definitely. So um there definitely are. I think what we're really, really conscious about. Um and so like so group passport's another one that's been built by uh, you know, so it's Three people with disability that all did the they they all run it now. Mm. Um, actually, no, it's four now. Sorry, it's, uh, yeah. So they've just picked up another one to sort of replace me. Um, so yeah, so there's four of them um, that are running it. Um, they we're, we're really really conscious of not cross up. I, I think is a big okay. thing. So um, yeah, just you know, it's it's a, it's a very sensitive industry. I think mm. um, you know a lot of scar tissue about institutions and, and big you know all in one shops that have all kind of really you know at sometimes not not uh not upheld say you know privacy or like not have upheld choice and control and things like that so yeah target customers the same but that both those businesses or all three businesses like support your way run very mm-hmm. separate um yeah group passport run very separate and spendable runs very separate we were just really con- like conscious of just you know conflict of interest and um, mm-hmm. and all that stuff as well yeah. but don't get me wrong like i'd love to just like bundle them all up and just go yeah we're, we're gonna do this and It'd be great, but um, I think each company has to run its own journey and, and you know, prove its value its, itself rather than kind of going, well, if you sign up to one, you get this one, you get this one sort of thing as well. But yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that might change in the future. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's certainly an interesting space, that's for sure. How did your experience building companies, how did your experience in building companies in the NDIS help with your current startup? Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I learned a lot about, 
regulation certification mm. and um, yeah, and just compliance in general. So um, the better you set up at the start, the better you kind of you can scale your compliance is a big thing. Um, I know we got to a stalling point at Support UA where we just went. Um, the compliance didn't scale because the headcount that was involved in in compliance just had to keep getting bigger. Mm. And, you know, that meant putting a new manager for like 100 grand on, right? And it was like to to, to get another, you know, 100 clients. And you're like, you'd have to make $1,000 from every client to actually, you know, pay back that manager, right? Um, plus a bit sort of thing. So, um, yeah, so so I learned, yeah, I learned a lot about that, you know, like trying to scale things, trying to, trying to sort of, yeah, pull things together. Um, I learned a lot about micromanaging too. I think back then I was like, I was like, uh, you know, I didn't want to burden people. I didn't want mm-hmm. to, I didn't want to upset people. I didn't want to like put too much work on their plate. Yep. So I used to do a lot. I, mm-hmm. I, you know, so like every policy would have like my name as a, as a phone contact or like mm-hmm. everything. Was, yeah. And so when policy review came up, I didn't have to review five policies. I had to review like fifty, right? And so, yeah. uh, and you're reviewing those policies every 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 um, every year. So. You know, learning to delegate, learning to kind of like move out and, and you know, and scale, but also um, letting people make mistakes was kind of one of those things as well. Because you know, I, I I've been allowed to make all my mistakes at support way, right? And then mm. I come I come into Spendable now. I'm like, oh, I've made these mistakes, so you guys shouldn't do it. But now I kind of realize that everyone has to make those mistakes to learn anyway. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely one of the things. I think just um, yeah, you don't get capable people without you know giving them giving them responsibility and giving them the scope to actually make a mistake on something. But that's also really really hard, I think, in the disability space too, because you don't want you, you literally don't want a mistake, right? Like mistake yeah. could be life or death. It could be um, a really really poor experience with someone. It could be a human rights um, uh, a human rights violation or something like that sort of thing yeah. as well. So you really want to be. Uh, I, I think like take that a little bit as well, like in, in saying, well, don't let the mistakes. Uh, open you open someone up to yeah one of those things right like you, you mm-hmm. definitely don't want that want that as well but you know things like i don't know like giving someone the ability to to do you know bass returns if it's their first time ever doing it and they make a mistake no worries just check it like work it all out with them and sit down with them as well rather than you know i think for for years i, I would be ceo and i'm like still the one like paying people's um paying people's superannuation and their bass right yeah and you're just like yeah so so i think like delegating was one of the things that i thought was a yeah, a big skill that I was like far out. I just didn't mm-hmm. do very well at Spot UA and now sort of yeah. Um, yeah, getting a lot better at. Yeah. Okay, let's dive into more about yourself. What would you say it's the most rewarding part of your job? And do you have any interesting story to share? Yeah, definitely. Um, so two. So I think the the most rewarding one is like is for us, like really like we we get like say we, we check in with our users all the time right and to like hear people sort of talk about spendable and how it's helped their child or it's helped you know them as well sort of thing um is is really really rewarding for us um you know one in particular i sort of talk about it we've got a a, a, um, a mom and her daughter that, that they use they use spendable like so the daughter uses it religiously and you know every day is, is you know paying for things doing it and the mom feels so uh she she feels quite, um, and and this is all kind of, you know, I suppose like high level, but you know, feeling that look, that just that right amount of sort of um, of safety around it, and and that this is a product that's actually kind of built for built for someone's specific needs, just gives them that that kind of that extra peace of mind, as opposed to um, yeah, as opposed to like you know having a like having a debit card that with one of the major banks or something like that as well. So really, really rewarding for us that we we actually kind of went well. 
we, we, like there was a time where we were, we were really worried with whether we'd built the right product and to kind of hear that to go well oh, okay no with like there's these people are out there and these people need this and they want it that was really like that's really rewarding for us because you know without it they're just they're not using anything they're just back at cash they're back at that financial yeah. abuse risk and all that sort of stuff as well so i find that really 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 rewarding um and then the other thing as well i, I think just on a personal note i i love having an idea and then just going well i'm, I'm gonna do this and i'm gonna you know make this you know bring this to life and and so just to always like i, I think once a month I, I just reflect on like wow like this product has evolved and it's changed and the people that we help are, are, are totally different as well sort of thing as well so you know to continually have i think it's really rewarding to just to have an idea and to be able to execute that is um yeah something i'm super lucky to to be able to do that's for sure yeah mm. was it when you started running your own startup was it any different from your expectation or it was exactly how you imagined it would be um yeah, this is a really hard question. Uh, I'll I'll say that no, it is never ever how you expect it to be. Like, um, so uh, financial projections, whatever. Like, you, you know, you sort of start these things, and you're like, oh, you you go, your first three years are like the the most um, what do they call it? They're, they're the most rosy, like rosy sort of ways. You're like, you're like, oh, we're gonna get a thousand customers on day mm -hmm. one. A yeah. thousand customers are gonna turn into ten thousand customers on you know day sixty, and then. You know, we're gonna have this much money and this much money, and then we'll be able to hire this much of our team. Um, not nah, wrong, right? So, um, yeah, day one to 100 are really, really hard. Um, I think reflecting on like support your way, day one, to, uh, sorry, yeah, year one to year three, we're just like miles away from any of our expectations, and then year four and year five, we're just like they exceeded what our what our estimations were. So, I think it's always the long run, you always have to like look at these things in the long run. Um, but yeah, there, there are plenty of humbling moments where you're just like, geez, I thought this was going to go better than what it is. Um, and then there's also plenty of moments where you're just like, this is so unexpected but in, a, in a really positively unexpected way sort of thing. So um, I think just the, you know, for us, like even just personally to, to be able to go, well, uh, you know, I was never a product manager before. I was kind of like, you know, just yeah, floating around it a little bit. But um, to kind of go to look back and go, well, geez, like, I never thought that I would be able to run a team of developers, build apps, deploy yeah. things within days, you know, do all that sort of stuff. So that's kind of like one of those really like unexpected things that you're like, even if this all falls over, you're like, geez, you've just picked up a skill that's like really, really cool as well. Yeah. So um, yeah, but yeah, it's definitely, it's never how you plan it. I, I think yeah. it's always the, the big one, so. That's fair. What about internally? What have you made? Um, what did you, like what skills do you think you made? Um, a good leader in a team and how did you you know learn all those skills along your way in the journey um yeah so once again so it's it's really hard to find a good leader that says they're a good leader so i think it's always a it's an evolving thing all of the time um you know even even just to the point where like i, I think my my thing is that i just i internally reflect all the time um it's and i'm quite hard on myself that it's 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 always my fault it's not not ever anyone else's fault Mm -hmm. um and so one of those that's that's always a big thing so um one of the things was like i remember when we were first doing, doing the app um and i was working with the team and i was like things just weren't coming out the way that i wanted them to i was like how is this not looking like this this thing that i'm telling them to do and it was about really reflecting internally and going well how how do i communicate things and how do i actually kind of like do these things as well so um yeah i think i think for me it's just always like you know I, i'm always constantly working on communication 
I'm always if if someone's like if something's not going right, I think you know take a lot of responsibility and just go well you know it's it's going to be you know this is going wrong you need to get in there and fix it. Um, also, just this you know you hear a lot of people talk about like this bias to action. So this this ability to kind of always go well um, I'm, I'm I I see that I want to do this and I'm going to do this and we're just going to do it and we work we work it out as well. So and I think that that from a from a leader is really important too. You know. Um, I, I I haven't worked under a lot of leaders. I, I've sort of yeah. worked alongside a lot. Yeah. Um, and the best ones don't do a lot of time planning. They do the minimum amount of time planning, and they just mm-hmm. go, "We're going to do it and work it out and figure it out." And mm-hmm. they put it, and they and it it kind of gives a lot of ownership to to the team that they work with as well. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah, my big things are just you know internal responsibility, um, being a really like trying all the time to improve my communication. Um, mm-hmm. If you can't explain it three top three different ways then you know it's probably not a clear idea yeah um and then yeah and then just you know the ability to kind of give people ownership i think that was one of the things that you know i'm seeing a team flourish now because mm. they get responsibility on things they get final calls on things they get the opportunity because and that you know the, the sum of the sum of all of your company is like the ability for everyone to make a decision right and yeah. so um if, if every decision has to be checked right it's always like it's never you know you're then kind of like waiting up, you're slowing up, you're not growing as fast, yeah. things like that. So I think, um, yeah, spending a lot of time focusing on like the development of people and, and the way that they make decisions is is one of the things where I pivoted from being very operational to actually being very strategy-based and being very kind of like, you know, I suppose coaching or, or whatever as well. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the beauty of startup where you everyone has the say in the final decision, whereas corporation, you have to go through so many steps and mm. sometimes you don't even see your idea or your work being shown in yeah, yeah. in the later yeah. stage. Yeah. So finally, before we wrap up, um, what advice would you give our listeners who are interested in working in the um, NDIS or having their own startup? um two yeah all right so there's kind of like two pieces here so then um ndis i think is uh it is a relationships market um you've got to you you can't you can probably go in there and do a digital marketing thing right but you know your first 10 your first 20 your first 50 clients or or customers or whoever are going to be people that you know people you speak to and so it's about like actually kind of getting out there proving that you know you're a trustworthy person and proving that that your solution is trustworthy um so yeah so yeah and then just also just understanding the complexities of the funding of the funding mm-hmm. mechanism who pays you how do you get paid all of that sort of stuff as well is, is, is really important once you start satisfying all that and making it really easy to do um it's actually you know quite a quite a good marketplace to work within um and you know and everyone's you know i think it's it's well funded everyone's really, really keen the if you're really good at you know at finding success outcomes for people um people are gonna like you right so um, yeah, that, that's really kind of key about the NDIS. Um, I could talk probably for three or four days about mm-hmm. the NDIS. Yeah. Um, startups. Oh man, I, I just think start, just get action. Like if you want to, um, if you want to build an app, start building it on no code. If you want to do, um, yeah, if you're going to do a service business, you know, just get it started. Like work out whatever it is. You don't have to automate everything on day one. You don't have to like have all the answers on day one. Just work out what your key kind of your key value is. And um, and just deliver on that that one key value, and just find all of the people that their success outcome relies on that key value, sort of thing. So, um, yeah, that, that's probably the best thing. Um, and I suppose in startups as well, just be ready to learn a heap of skills. Just like, yeah, you know. But yeah, less planning, just do. I think is probably the big thing. Yeah. 
Mm. Once again, thank you so much for joining us today. I have definitely learned a lot about the NDIS and disabled community. And thank mm. you for de dedicating your time and effort into, you know, making their life easier, whether that's providing a simplified solution mm. or, you know, just being there for support. I can't yep. wait to see what your next plan is. And yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Lee Shady. And um, yeah, big shout out as well to Business One Group as well for doing yeah, such great